Today on Power Sports Strategy, I'm super excited to have Mr. Steve Jones as my guest. Steve is an expert in developing dealership operating procedures and has helped some of the biggest manufacturers in the motorcycle industry come up with policy and training. He's quite honestly the go-to name in the power sports industry for years. Now sit back and watch as he gives us insight on how to get more productivity out of your service department. Here's my interview with Steve. Hello, Steve. How are you today? I am excellent, David. Thank you for asking. Awesome. I'm super excited to have you uh, sit and chat with us today. Wanted to talk about the service department. And I know that one of the key factors in the service department is you have to have the productivity rolling. And I wanted to ask you a few questions about that. You know, first of all, you know, what kind of KPIs in the service department should we track and what can we learn from them? Yeah, good question. There, there's a lot, <laughs> but but really, there's there's just a few key ones that, as a consultant, I trigger off of the things that that tell me there might be something wrong underneath. Uh, one is efficiency, which is the tech's ability to complete jobs in in line with whatever the flat rate is. The formula is the build hours divided by the actual hours. Uh, actual hours being the actual time clock hours that the tech put in on the job, uh, which brings up a quick point. If you don't have a time clock, you need to get one, whether it's in a DMS <laughs> or whether it's a punch card clock, because if you don't do that, you're never going to get measurements. For sure. That's just, uh, I've tried. <laughs> doesn't work. Um, anyway, you, you take the build hours, divide it by the actual hours, and that gives you a measurement of whether or not they're doing the job well. Uh, it basically evolves around training, availability of tools, how accessible everything is in the shop, da 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 But the target is 100%. So in yeah. other words, 100% of the hours that the tech puts on that repair order are getting billed somewhere, yeah. whether it's warranty or internal or whether it's customer paid. We like those. Um, but every hour needs to be tracked because the only thing you're selling back there is time. That's right. And if you don't track the time, you don't make money. Productivity is really the key one for me because that tells me how much work is flowing through the department. And that is the responsibility generally of the service manager. Um, it measures the actual hours that they're on the job and we just talked about actual hours versus the amount of hours they're sucking air in the service department. So what you want is 75% of the time that they are back there, they are actually doing this activity with a wrench. Yes. That's what you want to see. Basically, you take the actual hours they put in on the job and divide it by the hours available, which is the hours they were actually present. Um, and again, you want to hit 75% is not as easy as you might think, yes. <laughs> but you do have dealers in the 20 groups that are up in 85 and even 90%. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of little things involved in getting it there, but that's a whole, that's a day long <laughs> seminar there. No doubt. Um, gross profit. We got to look at that. It's, it's a key factor in any department in your dealership. Um, in the case of the service department, it seems unreasonably high. 
because what we're looking for is 70% gross profit. And that is measured by the amount of uh, labor dollars that have been sold minus tech compensation, not including benefits, because the only cost of sales for that labor time is the technician Correct. or sublet labor or something like that. You subtract that out of the amount of dollars and you better have a 75 or 70% margin, okay? If you don't have that 70% margin, you won't be able to pay the overhead. You won't yes. be able to pay for the shop supplies and the tools and the solvent um, and anything else. Um, that also has to cover the salary for the service manager, the service writer, anybody that's a non-tech in that department. If you think about that, okay, so we got build hours, say we got 100 hours, $70 that we had to make gross profit leaves us with $30 to pay the tax. So in yeah. other words, the size of the bucket that you have to compensate your technicians is around 30% of the total dollars that you're bringing into the department. Bring in $100, you can afford to pay $30 to get that $100. Yeah. Um, yeah. That formula has been consistent for years. And it's true in automotive, it's true in marine, it's true in power sports. The main one is productivity in the service department. If you can't, if you don't have anything to work on it, you're, it doesn't matter what your efficiency and, and your proficiency is going to come out to. You know, in, in the service department, what do you see as some of the biggest productivity killers? <laughs> There's a lot of them. <laughs> yes, there are. Uh, and and I've, I've done some time studies. I think I sent you one of them, one of the examples of, you know, techs pushing bikes in and out. It was common practice. We, got, yes. oh, we yeah. store them in the service department we, to push them out in the morning. We push them back in at night. If you use techs to do that, you have to get, wrap your head around the fact that, you know, say you're, what is a common labor rate out in your area these days? Well, they're pretty low, actually. Uh, we're at $30 an hour, and I'm the highest in the, uh, uh, wow. probably the highest in the country. I'm right on par with Porsche and, and Mercedes. Okay. So you have to wrap your head around the fact that you are effectively paying $50 an hour for somebody to push bikes in and out. Yeah, yeah. Or to run a forklift or to go fix the shop truck or, you know, it, once you multiply that out by the amount of hours that it eats up, then you start to get a, a, a factor in your head. Well, isn't there a less expensive way I could do this? Couldn't I use somebody that's a, a low rate hourly helper to push a lot of this stuff around? Uh, to pre-stage the bikes for the techs, to do all of those kinds of things. You know, some of the other ones we run into, it, it, surprisingly, um, it's diminishing where I am, but it may not be true in Asia, uh, smoke breaks. Uh, oh, you know, we, uh, we have a lot of smokers here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had a feeling. But, you know, one guy goes and then everybody has to go, you know, it, it's, it's the craziest thing. But that eats up a lot of time. The way to find out what's going on, and it's in the, you know, what, what can you do to fix low productivity? Start with a time study. Go back there and spend a day with a tablet and a pen 
and start writing down the amount of time that your techs are not in their work area doing this. Yeah. What are they doing? Are they playing on their cell phone? Are they playing games on their cell phone? Uh, are they out on smoke breaks? Um, waiting at the are, parts counter. <laughs> are they waiting at the parts counter? Or are they uh, talking to the young lady behind the parts counter? You know, uh, again, that's a $50 an hour or $30 an hour person doing that. And while that is occurring, you're getting a double whammy because not only are you paying a very high wage for somebody to stand around, mm -hmm. but you are also not fixing a piece of mechanical stuff that you would get paid for. Yeah. So you get hit twice. Yeah. You know, you, you wasted that time and you didn't fix a customer's bike. And so the customer comes in and goes, what do you mean it's not done? Not only are they working every minute of every day that they possibly can be working, but that they are working on customer stuff. And that customer stuff has to be prioritized. Yes. You know, it has to be scheduled. So scheduling enters into that too. Uh, who is doing the schedule? Do you have a master schedule on the wall that you can show people? You know, this is when your bike is is going to come up and um, you've got to get it pre-staged. And again, that goes back to in, in, what we do here is we hire what's called a lot porter. Yeah. And that part of that lot porter's job is to read the ROs and what's due, when is it due, the repair order, uh, and go out and find that ATV or that side-by-side -side or that motorcycle and make sure that it's staged for the tech. Yeah. Um, all of those things increase productivity. Productivity goes up, profitability goes up, and that helps the service department absorb the overhead for the dealership. Um, parts and service, I don't know if you talk about absorption, but parts yes. and service are, are supposed to absorb that overhead so that when units are not selling, you can still keep the doors open. That's right. <laughs> oh, a technician's like a surgeon. And you're not going to have a surgeon push in the patient and the surgeon's not going to get, you know, do all these little things, you know, they're just going to do the job and, and they're going to cut on the guy and they're going to stitch him up and then someone else handles the rest. But, you know, I see these, uh, some people having technicians wash motorcycles and, and things of that oh, nature. Yeah. So no, it's, it's definitely uh, it's a part of a culture you have in your service department where, you know, everyone's working together, the service manager, shop foreman's pushing bikes on the lift and helping take them, service advisors rolling them out to the drive, uh, wash boys picking them up, cleaning them, bringing them back. Uh, you know, there's no doubt that that's, that harmony in your service department will make you money for sure. Yep. And, and again, it's a big, big part of it that I find in going into dealerships and trying to get trying to get the dealer principal and the general manager on the same page is just having that concept that it's the most expensive hourly time I've got in my store. Yeah. And the more that I can free that person up to do what they're supposed to be doing, better life is. Not only do I make more money, but 
the bikes get fixed faster. Yeah. And pretty soon you're not three weeks or a month behind trying to get stuff done. <laughs> That's right. Because yeah. they're cranking more stuff day by day. Uh, and then your customers are happier. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of action plan can you come up with to, uh, to deal with low productivity? Well, number one, uh, I already mentioned, do a time study. You got to figure it out for yourself. What is it that they are doing that they should not be doing? And then figure out how to fix that. Um, you know, and, and the smoke break thing, give them an incentive to cut back on smoking. Yeah. You'll, you'll do them a favor in two different directions. You know, you'll you'll have them cranking more labor and you'll have a healthy, healthier. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We don't want them to die. Right? No, no. Um, you know, pushing them in and out. Who else can do that? You know, look at look at alternatives. Who are, you know, who are low-salaried people or people that are, you know, like service manager that that is on an overall salary. Doesn't matter what his hours are are looking like. Uh, get those people involved in doing this other stuff. Yeah. Um, make sure that they don't have to walk halfway across the building to get to the tools they need. <laughs> no you know, get the tools in the, in the area where the tech is gonna need them. Uh, same thing with tire changers and whatever other machine tools you might need. Get it all close together. Look at how things flow. Does, does the bike come in this door, go to the tech's bench, come off the text bench and go out that door. So there's a smooth flow and there's a minimal number of steps. Yes. Um, you know, part of what I do as a consultant is kind of an efficiency expert view. And, and that takes into account how many steps a tech has to move in order to do something. Okay. And, uh, you know, if, if he's not even in his work area by his, by his lift half the day, half of your day got blown away. You That's lost right. all that money. You know, you might as well take some dollars out of your wallet and light them on fire because yeah. that's what happened. That's right. Um, so you got to get that concept, but you also have to impart that concept to all the other staff. They can't okay. use that guy to do stuff. You know, if the typical sales guy, I want you to put a rack on this. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Follow the process. It's got to go yeah. to the service manager. It's got to yeah. get scheduled and it's got to get properly billed That's to right. the dealership, you know. So, uh, okay, Steve, if you, you being the dealer principal or the general manager of the dealership, you know, how, what's a good way for them to be able to help monitor this? I used a, a daily graphic. Actually, I have a spreadsheet that I, that I give to dealers. And it, at the end of the day, this is what I used to do back in the old days. Only we did it by hand, right? Yeah. No computer. But um, but it's it's just a, simply a matter of tracking each tech's hours, hours billed, our actual hours on the job, available hours. You get those three measurements, and you can check their efficiency and their productivity and proficiency if you want to yeah. add that in there. Um, same thing at the end of the day, service manager could do a report on profitability. Dollars in versus how much he paid out to get those dollars. Um, that can be done daily, weekly, monthly. Um, you know, real world, 
especially the time of year when you're busy, it's, that's hard to do. It doesn't take yeah. that long, surprisingly, especially if you've got it on a spreadsheet, you know, 15 minutes at the end of the day, you could do yes, it. Yes. But, um, so you boil it down to weekly. Uh, you have a manager meeting weekly and each manager is tasked with reading out those reports to the <laughs> yes, other managers. Yes, exactly. And that holds them accountable yeah, because their, right. feet are, their feet are at the fire. That's and the right. GM, I mean, you know, I watched you in action. The GM <laughs> is sitting in on that meeting and he is he's noting what's going on. Um, there's a, you know, a form that that's commonly used in in our world, when you're more structured, and it's called a daily operating control, a doc, mm -hmm. the daily doc, and it's actually emailed to each department, and it's emailed to the GM at the end of the day, and it has that information yeah. on it, uh, generally compares with previous year at the same time mm -hmm. while you're at it, um, but that may be a little bit overkill at this point. At this point, it's just getting some way of recording the numbers every single day. Um, some of the better time clocks that are available will do a lot of that function for you. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple some of DSM systems cool. and yeah, DSM systems and stuff will track some yeah, of that. Yeah. If you set it up right, most of them have it. If you just have to click on the right switches to make it work. Yep. Okay. Okay. Here's, here, here's one thing that is, I've had to deal with my whole life in working in dealerships, uh, especially in motorcycle dealerships compared to car dealerships. But, you know, how do you retain your service staff? Like what are some ways to keep them working for you instead of opening up their own shade tree uh, motorcycle shop? <laughs> yeah. Without giving them the farm, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing. I did a lot of, of studies of uh, exit interviews. Okay. You know, I, I always encourage dealers to do that with anybody that's leaving, but also got some good information from some of the manufacturers who were trying to record that information. Okay. And in most cases, techs did not leave because of a lack of money, although they may say that. Yeah. They left because the working conditions were horrible. Okay. And, you know, real common. Uh, air conditioning for a service department is throw the shop doors in the air. Well, <laughs> you know, when it's a hundred degrees out, that doesn't work really well. No. Or, or in, in the Northern climb, maybe it's 10 below zero. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so having heating and air conditioning that makes it livable in the service department is a big deal. Noise is a huge factor. Mm. Um, actual documented thing called noise fatigue okay if if an employee is in an area that has a constant level of of noise it makes them tired and when they're tired they don't move as fast yeah <laughs> very simple um so you know you don't put compressors on the floor in the shop area you put no. compressors outside in a box that's insulated so they can't be heard mm -hmm. um you try to minimize things like that 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 are really bad. Okay. Uh, have a have a store right here in my local area that was designed with a service department with an eight foot high hard ceiling. You know, you can walk in there and drop a pin and you can hear it clear yeah. across the ricochet. You know, bad you can design. Hear you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So you, uh, there are plenty of sound panel things that, that can be bought, put on the walls and ceiling to okay. help cut down the noise. Uh, fumes, another yeah. one, exhaust systems yeah. that get the exhaust out of there. Again, we don't want them to die. No, you know, yeah. save lung cancer here, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so huh? try to look at, at the working conditions. Okay. If, uh, if it's not a healthy environment that's comfortable, they're going to look for a different place that okay. is. All right. That's good stuff right there. Okay. So how important is getting it fixed right the first time? How can we do better job with uh, quality control? Okay. Good, good combination there. Um, well, interesting. It, um, one of my clients, one of the manufacturers, uh, had just completed a very exhaustive study of the relationship of customer retention uh, to service quality. And, and they found that, that by the third offense, if you will, the third time trying to fix the same problem, that customer was 70% likely to not come back. Yeah, wow. So you're toast. Yeah. So if you can't fix it in two tries, you're in, you're in deep, deep trouble. Yeah. Uh, one of the best ways to overcome that above the obvious, okay, the obvious is what? You train your techs. Yeah. You send them to every bit of training you can possibly get them to. You make sure they have the right tools. Um, you know, they got to have the skill set. Yeah. So, and that goes along with mental attitude as well. You know, we could do a one on hiring here. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah, you got to have people that have attitude and Your aptitude. attitude. Yes, absolutely. If they have attitude and aptitude, you can train them. Yes. Don't try to train somebody that doesn't have those two factors. That's right. That's exactly. Uh, right. But if you have that, then you got a good chance at, at at getting that done. That whole thing about fixed right first time, that's actually become a mantra for a couple mm. of the manufacturers. Okay. Um, notably Suzuki, I'll drop the name yeah. out there, but they, they made a big deal out of it. Um, and, and it was wisely so. If you look at the studies by a company called PSI, they do a lot of interviews with customers after they purchase. Um, and they, they look at multiple purchases over a customer's lifespan in power sports. Okay. okay. Uh, most of you dealers recognize that. That's, you know, really common. Yeah. They buy one this year, maybe they buy another one next year, maybe they buy one for their kids down the road. Um, we want that business. Yeah. And the single biggest influencing factor on whether or not they come back to the same dealership is their service experience. Mm, yeah. So everything you can do to take care of them and get it fixed right the first time has an impact on whether they come back and buy more stuff. Yes, for um, sure. So what I found in, in doing some studies of how different dealerships operate is they they build, and we actually did a flow chart and we have a huge flow chart that's really kind of cool. But I found that in almost every dealer that did any volume to speak of and had really good customer satisfaction scores, they had built a quality control, a QC step right into every RO. Every RO had a 10 minute or a 15 minute QC step 
where somebody other than the tech, okay, usually a service manager or shop foreman, ensured that everything was fixed in relation to what it said on the RO. Yeah. Um, you know, how many times did we see that fixed it <laughs> in the notation? Yeah. Broke, fixed it. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you want you want to see notes that describe what they did. Uh, and you want somebody that verifies that they actually did all of those steps and and takes the final, maybe it's a test ride around the block. Yeah. Does it does it work? You know, it yeah. still doesn't shift. Well, yeah. <laughs> that, that didn't take care of that problem, yes, did it? Exactly. That's right. So uh, building a QC step in and, and being quality focused and making sure your customers know you're quality focused. That makes a big difference. Yeah, I know uh, changes your customer satisfaction scores, which with some manufacturers has an influence on how much money you make. Yeah, for sure. So, All right. What was your first motorcycle? What was my first motorcycle? <laughs> it was a Honda 50 Cub. Ah, okay. That's a good one. <laughs> I yeah. crashed the heck out of that thing. <laughs> That's awesome. I hit at least two cars with it. I can remember <laughs> that. Oh, I bet your mom and dad loved you for that. Oh, uh, <laughs> one time, one time my mother was actually following me and I was at the head of a long line of cars. I didn't know any better. The Honda 50 was maxed out in the <laughs> was slightly below the speed limit. And I was turning left into the Honda dealership. Okay. And somebody pulled out of that long line of cars and T-boned me right in oh, front of the, geez. right in front of the dealership. Oh, and my mother was in the car following. Oh, she must have been <laughs> thrilled. Yeah. It's a miracle I ever got to ride again. Yes, after it that. is. <laughs> wow, Steve, I really appreciate you taking your time for us today. Uh, some awesome insight in uh, productivity and how to how to fix things in service department. Uh, I'll be sure to give uh, people an opportunity to reach out to you. Cool. I love helping. That's right, what I do. All right. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for watching my interview with Mr. Steve Jones. He's without a doubt one of the world's leading experts in service department operations. I have implemented many things he has personally taught me over the years. And I know if you get an opportunity to have him help you, you will not be disappointed. I hope you've enjoyed my interview with Steve Jones. I left Steve's contact information in the description box below. Steve is someone you can hire to analyze your dealership. He will give you the right advice to help you save and make money in your service department. Reach out to him.